to that verse in just a moment. Let's just review. Um, we're in the middle of a series called Good Success, and it's taken out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, where Joshua, as he takes over command of um, the leadership, <clears throat> the children of Israel is about to um, take them out from under Moses' leadership, bring them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. God speaks to him and gives him some instruction in the 8th verse of Joshua 1 and says, This book of the law, or this, word, this book of the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have... One more time, you will have good success. Absolutely. What is good success? Well, good success uh, brings you to a good place, brings you to a God place. Good success leaves you in a good condition. Um, you don't uh, spend all of your health getting wealth only in the end to turn around and spend all that wealth trying to recapture your health. That's not good success. Good success is that your, uh, your soul is in a good condition on the way, and when you arrive at that place of success, whatever that success is that God has called you to, good success sets a good example. Not everyone that's uh, successful is a good example. Uh, there's a lot of people in life that are successful. You wouldn't say to your children, I want you to be just like that person. Uh, good success credits good truths. The principles, you know, everybody that is successful in life leaves a legacy. They write a book. They give testimonies. They talk to other people. Their people are interested. How did you have this success? How do you make your marriage work? And, uh, you know, you don't want somebody saying, well, the way our marriage works is we just, about every couple of years, we get tired of one another, so we just swap partners. We go out and get us somebody else and just keeps the spice going in our marriage. You know, you... They, and they would say, well, we've been married 40 years and we've been practicing that principle. Works great. So good success credits good truths because it leaves you in a good position and it brings you to a good place. Jesus said it like this in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 36. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will he give in exchange for his soul? So good success is all about having a good soul and leaving your soul in a good condition. So not all success is good success, but God's interested in you and I having good success. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about the fact that good success depends on good identity. So I want to get you this morning to identify yourself. Have you ever been asked to identify yourself? I do a lot of traveling so when I go through the airports or wherever and I'm uh, met by TSA agents, what they're looking for is they're looking for me to identify myself. So if, uh, has anyone ever been asked to identify yourself? Who are you? Um, well, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 22, John the Baptist, quite a character, comes out of the wilderness. He's, he's preaching the coming of the Messiah and he's drawing crowds and among those that are coming to him out of all the villages and towns and cities are the religious leaders. And the religious leaders want to know who this guy is. And so the verse that tells us about them confronting him and asking him to identify himself, and the answer that he gives is found in John 1.22 where it says, They said to him, 
Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? They didn't ask him about his message. John was all about his message. They just completely went around his message and they went directly at him. And they said, who are you? What do you say about yourself? Well, my Christian friends, people who watch you want to know what's your connection to your message. The gospel's abstract to them. So they're looking to see that message in you. You are something they can read, something they can look at. And um, if they don't see that message demonstrated in those people that, that claim to have a connection to it, they oftentimes don't see it at all. So they're looking for that answer. Identify yourself. And God wants you to identify yourself. In fact, let me say that good success begins with finding God and then finding yourself. The first thing God reveals to you when you meet Him, after He's revealed Jesus to you and His love, is He reveals you to you. He introduces you to yourself. John the Baptist, when he was asked, Who are you? Give an account. And uh, what do you say about yourself? His answer in verse 23 was remarkable. He said, I am the voice of one crying out of the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. He was quoting a prophecy for his answer about who he was. He quoted a prophecy to the Pharisees. They said, we need to give an account to the, to the authorities back in Jerusalem. Who do you say that you are? And John the Baptist didn't talk about how he felt. He didn't share his opinions about things. Um, and he, quite frankly, just simply aligned himself with his mission, and he said, I am the voice. Can you say today in your relationship, when you're asked to give an account, in your marriage, in your home, in your relationships with others, your friends, your uh, connection with the world around you, that you can say, I am the voice. I'm the voice of God crying out, speaking. I am the mission that the Lord has sent me on. Now, when we talk about the Lord introducing us to ourselves, we're not talking about worldly self-interest. We're talking about godly identity. Do you understand the difference between the two? Millions and millions of Words have been written and speeches given and counsel sold, really, about good self-image. And yet generation after generation, it's probably the, the number one thing that humanity struggles over is self-image. Good self-image. Defeating bad self-image. Trying to clean up the problems in society. Dealing with man's self-image. But we're not talking about human efforts to deal with human image problems. We're talking about godly identity. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? Because good success depends upon good identity. As a matter of fact, it starts with good identity. Amen. You need to identify yourself with Jesus. That's who Jesus is. 
He is God coming into the world and making what was, and I love the way Antonio said it, what was impossible, he makes possible. And that impossibility was to heal a dysfunctional and broken human self-image that is bound hopelessly in sin and to transform that self-image into godly identity. It's not a self-image healing program. It is a transformational program where the Lord gives us a new identity because there's nothing wrong with Jesus' self-image. There's nothing wrong with Him. His character is described in Galatians 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. I mean, He's already got it all. It's all beautiful. It's all wonderful. There was no fault, no flaw in Him. When the devil came to Him, when it was time to be crucified, He said, the devil comes, but he finds nothing in me. And so the Lord is not about changing your self-image from a human standpoint, but changing your identity and giving you a new identification. So I'm going to be advocating this morning for you adopting the new identity that Jesus has given you and identifying yourself with Him. Jesus needs to be more than Savior to you. He needs to be Lord of your life. And there's a difference because if Jesus is only Savior, then He's something you believe in or someone you believe in. But if He's Lord of your life, that goes a little deeper. It involves a lot more. That means that, uh, that He's not just the object of your faith where you keep your soul intact, your emotions, your opinions, and everything about you stays what it is locked up in you, but you believe in Jesus. But He's more than Savior, He's Lord of your soul. And, and what that really means is that instead of seeing Him as your example, and your soul remains separate and apart from Him, you see Him as the Lord and life of your soul. So that there's an inner, intimate connection with Him. You, in the inner recesses of your soul, have a connection with Jesus, and He is your life. Now, everyone who is born again, has truly received Christ, knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard to put it into words, and it sounds a little crazy when you explain it to people that are not saved. It's just strange. And that's why people that are not saved, they see Christianity as religion. It's a set of beliefs. Jesus is a better mousetrap. He's a better example than all of the others. But that's not what Christianity is. It's not a more clear example of God. It's not a clearer picture, a better set of um, principles. He is the transformation of our soul and the re-identification of our life as new creations in Him. Now, identification with Jesus, His Lordship, IDing with Him, is where this generation today is at its weakest point. Because it's where the culture of self has gotten us. It's gotten us to the point where people flood churches believing in the example of Jesus. Loving His example, believing in Him, loving to celebrate that example. But when it comes to His Lordship, when it comes to identifying yourself as a branch in the vine as an ambassador of Christ, as an extension of Jesus Christ, this generation 
is at its weakest point when it comes to that because it's hard to wean them from the breast of self. It's very difficult when people have been, have been already rooted and steeped in the idea that everything that is significant comes from self-interest. So it's very difficult to get people to go to the, the concept of the cross and to understand what it means to step over that self-interest and lay it at the foot of Calvary's cross and take identification with Jesus. It's hard to make that. But um, future Jedis will look back on this generation and say, the self was strong with them. It's true. But there comes a time when you and I need to take possession of the identity that God has given us. And that time is now. Let me speak prophetically to all of you and maybe specifically to some of you this morning and say that to you again. There comes a time when you must take possession of the identity that Christ has given to you. And that time is now. If Christians individually and the church collectively are going to own our identity in Christ, now is the time before everything slips into such a world of darkness that what Jesus prophesied would come to pass is about to come to pass, where the love of the many will wax cold and few are going to make it because of the iniquity that will abound. So if you are going to be transformed, now is the time to do it. Don't put it off another week, another month. Stop kicking that can down the road. The Bible says now is the appointed time of salvation. Today is the day. And people have been saying that for hundreds and thousands of years, but I'm going to tell you this morning, today is the day. Today is that day of transformation in your life. Be ready to identify yourself. If you're having a hard time holding on to patterns of behavior that you know have nothing to do with Jesus, the time has come to let go of those excuses. And you say, I wish I could let go of those excuses. I want to let go of them, but I can't seem to bring myself to the place. Well, that's where Jesus comes in. Because He'll give you that grace and that power to be whoever He has said that you are. But you have to take hold of Him. Let go of you and take hold of Jesus. It's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, Paul said it like this. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everyone say spirit of your mind. Be renewed, be transformed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now I want to thank God that you didn't come this morning to church in whatever it is you slept in last night. You took it off and you put on a different outfit. Although I would say that if we, could, if we had to get you in what you slept in, I'd be happy to get you here any way we can get you. Praise the Lord. But you felt the need to change what you were wearing. 
and to put something different on. I don't know why, but you felt like you needed to present yourself in different attire, didn't you? You felt that whatever it is you were sleeping in might not have been appropriate. Well, the problem, of course, with religion is we take off and put on and take off and put on these external faces and veneers. But using the same language of taking off and putting on, Paul says, put on the new self, which is created in the likeness of God. Putting on Jesus Christ, he says, in another place in the scripture. Put on the new self. And how do we do that? You see, being saved and worshiping Jesus and receiving Him as your Savior is a great. It's the beginning. But have you put on Jesus? Have you put on the new self? He has provided a new self. And it's there hanging in the closet. You can put it on. You can. It'll cover all that old stuff. You can put off the old stuff and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Don't you feel the need to do that? John the Baptist goes out from the desert to Israel and he says, the Messiah is coming. And they come to him and they want to know what he's wearing. Who are you behind that message? Who are you? And he tells them, I am the message that I am preaching. I'm not the Messiah, but I am the the voice that is speaking to you. That's all you need to know. I am the voice that is speaking. But, you know, he had put on that ministry. He wore that garment. And they were able to see that he was exactly who he claimed to be, the voice that brought in the Messiah. And so your claim to be a Christian, a Christian husband or a Christian employee or a Christian employer, to be a child of God, to be a Christian husband to your wife and a Christian wife to your husband, To be the child of God, God's called you to be, you must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to put on that new self. See, God wants you to have a self-identity. He's made you as an individual. He has no intention of wiping out your individuality. So how do you put on that new self? Well, he says it right in the beginning. Be renewed in the spirit of of your mind, and put on the new self. Now, the phrase spirit of your mind, and you can go back into the original Greek words if you like to get technical about it and look up and see what all those words mean. But to save you the time, I'll just simply tell you that what it means is be renewed in the spirit that feeds your self-awareness and your thoughts. Every mind has a spirit. You Have a spirit. You are comprised of spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit, before you were born again, is broken in sin, and it's dark. And that spirit was the the feed bag for your mind. Your thoughts, your opinions, your desires, the way you go through life, the way you handle your relationships, the way you deal with everything. Your mind draws all of that out of your spirit. And when your spirit is broken and it is dark and it is sinful, it's drawing off all of that weakness and all of that dysfunction. So Paul says, no problem. 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put a new feed bag on your, on your soul. That's exactly what he said. The way you put on Jesus Christ is not like putting on a religious jacket where you say, you know, I'm going to talk the Christian talk and walk the Christian walk. Although if that's all you could do, that probably would be an improvement. <laughs> I just know because I understand law and grace that you're not going to be able to maintain that. You'll take it off as quick as you put it on. It's just not going to work. If you really want transformation and freedom from dysfunction, then you need to go the internal route, not the external route. And Paul said the internal route is change the feed bag. That your soul gets its thoughts and opinions from. Stop saying, if it would just stop raining, my yard would quit flooding. If it would just rain a little bit, my grass wouldn't be burnt. Stop looking at the world around you and saying, if things were just easier for me, if people liked me, if people would cooperate with me, if, if I had more money, if I had a healthier body, if I were just a little better looking, whatever it may be, we're constantly blaming our environment. We're constantly blaming who we're with, how they think about us, and how people react to us for our soul. But that is a complete and total deception. That is how sinners live and die as sinners. But Paul said, be renewed, be transformed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit that feeds your thoughts. So Jesus is not just your example or your inspiration. But on a transformational level... He is the basis of your new identity. God has switched out your spirit. That's where salvation takes place. Is the Holy Spirit brings Christ in on a spirit level in your life. And you are born again. And so good success is an extension of good identity. Instead of your thoughts clinging pathetically to the old grave where your old, dead, sinning spirit was buried. Get in the Word. Get in prayer. Hold on. Exercise your will. Center, however you want to think about it, your mind and your thoughts on Jesus. Let Him be Lord. You say, how, how do I do that? It's a simple thing. It's called obedience. Obedience. And you say, I wish I could do that. Are you kidding? You obey your flesh all the time. What do you mean you can't? You can't. You don't know how to obey. Of course you know how to obey. It's just easier to obey the flesh, which has many years of habits. But you know how those habits started. I remember when I started smoking cigarettes when I was, I think, probably about 10 years old. I mean, I started the actual habit of smoking regularly when I was about 10, 10, 11 years old. And, um, you know, when I first started smoking, I didn't pick that cigarette up and put it in my mouth and light it and take a draw and go, ooh, that's smooth, man. I know why everybody likes these things so much. I should have started this a long time ago. 
Now you know that, didn't, that that's not what happened. I lit it up and went, <coughs> and for the next week or two, I hacked, choked, coughed, until I beat my lungs into submission to that smoke so that I could get to the point where I went, oh, I got to have another one. But that's called obedience. I made my body obey. Then I couldn't stop obeying it because I had built that habit into myself. But then, you know, Christians are just like people trying to break any sort of habit. It's ridiculous. Well, look, just, you know, you take your will and exercise your will according to the Word of God. Go to the Lord in prayer. Make this... And they can't even do that. It's too hard to say no to self. But you said no to your body, no to to your own life, to your own soul when you got yourself into this mess. But then we don't want to use any bit of our will to try to turn to the Word, turn to the Holy Spirit for the help. God knows Look, the Lord is not saying, you got yourself into that mess, get yourself out. Use your will to get into it, you can use your will to get out. That's not it. But what do we use our will to do? We use our will to turn to Him and say, Lord, transform me. Lord, help me. That much of an effort. That's why I say this generation is in in trouble. Because the fact is that our will has been sold through the philosophies of self and self-interest, has been sold downriver. People can't use, can barely use their will. But today, the Bible says, good success is an extension of good identity. Therefore, you need to be that person in every scenario of your life. Be that person that God says that you are. Take the identity that Jesus says you are, to work with you and be that person. When you come home, take that person into your home. When you're hanging out with your friends or you're going about taking care of your daily responsibilities, be that person that John the Baptist said he was. I am the voice. Be the voice. Be who it is that God has said that you are because that's the person who's going to have good success. That's the person that's going to be victorious. That's the person that has all the fruit of the Spirit and all the power of the Holy Spirit invested in him. When you approach your marriage, your family, your career, your friends as the person and with the purpose that God says that you are, you'll have good success. That's why God conditioned Joshua and Moses worked with him and took him up on Mount Pisgah and showed him the promised land Begin to work with him so that when he took that position of leading Israel, he was the man that God said, continue to look into my word. Don't turn your eyes from it, but speak my word continuously, day and night. Then you will see how to have good success. Why? Because you'll see who you are. You'll be dealing with everything based on being the leader I've called you to be. All you need to do if you want to see those things in your life really succeed that you've been having a struggle with is be the person who does have the good success. Be the person that God says that you are. 
Take that identity. Let God tell you who you are. How's that? Is that fair enough? Let God tell you who you are. Nobody exemplifies this better than Gideon. Most of you remember the story of Gideon. I like to tell that story in Judges chapter 6. Gideon is living in Israel in a time when the Midianites have invaded the land, have completely and thoroughly defeated the people of Israel. And they are eating up the grain. They're using up all of their livestock. And the people of Israel are living a slave existence, serving the Midianites in their own land, living as slaves in their own homes. Can anybody relate to that? Living as a slave in your own life, in your own skin, in your own household. God wants you free. Jesus came to set you free. He said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He came as the Son of God so that He could give you that identity, that you might be the daughter, you might be that Son of God that Jesus is. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, the life I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Be that person. Be Christ in your situation. But there's Gideon. And the Bible says that he had climbed into a giant wooden barrel, a wine vat. And he got a little wheat and he threw it down in the barrel and he's beating it out and he's trying to to, uh, beat out that wheat and get the grain out of it so that he can fill his pockets with it and scamper, scurry back to his house and get that wheat out of his pocket, make a little bread and keep himself from starving. So... That's the scenario. He's down in the barrel trying to get a little wheat to keep from starving. When God walks up in the form of the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord looks over the edge of the barrel and sees him down in there and initiates a conversation. And this is what happens when that conversation begins in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And, of course, Gideon looks up, and he says, and I'll tell you, probably for the first time in his life, he's bold. And he looks up, and he says, well, he says, excuse me, sir, but he said, if the Lord's with us, where's all the miracles our fathers were talking about, we learned about in Sunday school, and, you know, why why is all this happening to us if God is with us? But, see, what Gideon heard was, hail, mighty man of valor, the Lord's with you all. But the angel didn't say the Lord's with y'all. He said the Lord's with you, not with y'all. We tend to have group faith. We come to church. We think I'm in the church that believes God. I'm going to the right church, hearing the right message. It needs to be taken a step farther, and you need to hear, I'm with you. This is about you. This is not about y'all. We don't get to heaven because we've hooked up with the right group. It's an individual thing. It's not a group thing. It's not a train that you get on the right train, you'll end up there. And so it's your soul, it's your life that God wants to move in. So the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, Hail, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Now, God's first step in delivering Israel from the Midianites, and God wants to deliver Israel from the Midianites, The first step in driving the Midianites out of Israel is to introduce Gideon to himself. 
Now tell me that God doesn't use strategies that are very different than the kind of strategies that people use. God has a plan to liberate the nation of Israel. So he goes to a barrel and looks down and finds this man who's scared to death. And he speaks to him and convinces him that he's somebody that that guy has a hard time believing that he is. God sees something in Gideon that Gideon doesn't, isn't aware of, doesn't see in himself. So the first thing he does is he introduces Gideon to Gideon. And he says, Gideon, you are the mighty man of valor. You see, God has to get him out of that barrel. God's got to get Gideon out of the barrel. It's not just that he's got to convince him that he's God's mighty man of valor. He's got to get Gideon to climb out of that barrel and go and identify himself to the enemy. Many of us are at the point where we're in the barrel, we're saying, well, thank you, God, I just claimed that, I just believe that, but I'm not getting out of this barrel. Staying right here in church, and I'll just run around and shout hallelujah a couple times and, and everything, but uh, you stay living barrel life, locked up in that barrel life. God's trying to get you out of the barrel. Are you listening to me? He's got to get Gideon out of that barrel, but he can't do it by just convincing Gideon that, that he's giving Gideon a great plan. Gideon's not going to climb out of that barrel and go at the Midianites because God gave him a great strategy. He's only going to get out of that barrel if he becomes convinced that he's himself a great man. If Gideon does not believe that he is a great man, he is not going to identify himself to the enemy. He'll never begin to obey God if he doesn't first believe that he is the man that God says that he is. And so this morning, step one in God's plan to bring freedom, deliverance, transformation into your life is for you to get out of the barrel, to believe that you are the mighty woman of valor, the mighty man of valor, and then go and identify yourself. Now why? And it's a fair question. Why does God do it like that? Why doesn't the Lord just swoop into Israel in His mighty glory and drive the Midianites out with miraculous plagues? I'm sure He's got grasshoppers and blood left over from Egypt. He can release on, on the Midianites and dazzle them and overwhelm them. Why doesn't God do that? Gideon could just kind of watch from the, you know, the edge of the barrel as all the frogs are doing their thing and the Midianites are being driven out by angels with flaming swords and all this tremendous stuff going on. And that's what we want God to do. We want God to ride in and just miraculously kick the devil's butt and drive him out of our life. And then we'll get out of that barrel and eat the good of the land. And God, does, God intends that to be the case. He intends for you to be out of that barrel and eating the good of the land. But he's got a different way of doing it. Let me tell you why he doesn't just send plagues and then let you come and uh, climb out and remain the same self that you were when you were in that barrel. It's because, quite frankly, defeating the enemy is not God's great purpose. 
In fact, showing off his strength and power isn't even his great purpose. Defeating the Midianites was not why God showed up. Ultimately, that was part of what he wanted to accomplish, but that was not his principal aim. And the principal aim of God was not to uh, show off his miraculous powers so that people would be amazed. His principal aim was to develop his people. That's always been God's principal aim. His objective is always to develop Christ in you, to make you Christ-like, to rise up in you. That's what salvation's all about. That's what deliverance is all about. In the process of doing that, the enemy gets defeated, battles get won, but that's not his objective. God is not sitting there saying, I need to seek out some opportunities to just throw some miracles down and let people see, because then they'll, then they'll, you know, they'll stop uh, taking the Ten Commandments off of courthouse walls. And uh, then they'll let people pray in school. And then they'll say, all this silliness that Christians get all worked up and get their panties in a bunch over. The reason I call it silliness is not because it's not important on some level, but because it's not God's primary objective. We put all of our efforts into things that are not God's primary objective. God's primary objective, if you'll put it first, all the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. His primary objective is to develop you and to get you to identify yourself to the world. Not to apologize for the gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel. Not to give excuses for Christianity, but to exemplify Christianity. That's the problem with this generation today, is they feel the need to apologize for 2,000 years of Christian heritage. They feel the need to apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're wasting all of their time and their energy trying to rewrite the Christian code, rather than be identified with Jesus Christ and let the chips fall where they may. God's primary purpose is to manifest Himself in you, to show forth His glory in you. And that's why He is not going to just go and drive the Midianites away. Instead, nothing's going to happen until you rise up as the mighty man of valor or the mighty woman of valor. When you do, God is going to move because good success comes out of good identity. Listen, I thought about this, and I thought the result of all of this was phenomenal. One powerful identity change affected by God overcame the complete lack of material and manpower to overthrow an entrenched and dominant enemy. Think of it. The Midianites were in complete control. Look, Gideon didn't win a war. Gideon reversed a total defeat. Gideon wasn't in a battle with the Midianites and he called on God for help. He was a prisoner and a slave of the Midianites. Do you understand what God did? God didn't just nudge a little bit in Gideon's direction and help him defeat an enemy he was fighting against. He was completely defeated by that enemy 
And what God did was he simply got Gideon to change his identity. He let God tell him who he was. Will you let God tell you who you are in Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a good place to start. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. And so the result is that you, in that new identity in Christ, can rise victorious and you can resurrect a dead nation like Gideon did. Resurrect a dead nation. Your job situation, your family, your career, you're at a certain age in life, you feel like, well, the opportunities to do these things have all passed, it's too late. There are certain things that, that seem to be locked away in permanent defeat in your life. But God has a calling on each and every one of you in this life, and He intends to raise you up to be the person who is successful at being the person who does those things. And that happens by allowing him to change your identity. All of the resources and everything, God's able. Nothing, no problem for him. He could do it. So remember that good success never comes from how you are. It comes from who you are. That's good success. Now, Earthly and worldly success probably does come from how you are. That's why we're envious of people who have more than we do or seem to be better positioned in life or have advantages. But we're always amazed by those few people who have nothing and rise up and accomplish great things. Are you listening to me this morning? But the truth is, is that every single one of you today, as G with Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the author of your soul, as the new spirit in your life, you can let God talk to you today. Think new thoughts. Believe new things about yourself. Remember the question isn't, are we all preaching the same gospel? Of course we're all preaching the same gospel. But some of us are look very connected to the message we're preaching. And some of us look like we have very little to do with the message. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? Are you listening to me today? You see, God intends to make you like John the Baptist, make you like Gideon. I'll tell you what, the Midianites were convinced that Gideon was a mighty man of valor, had no idea what was in his background. That's how God transforms. Can you say amen? Good success never comes from how you are. It comes from who you are. It wasn't just Gideon's view of God that needed to be rehabbed. It was literally his view of himself. After he met God, God had to introduce him to himself. That's always the second step in any encounter with Jesus Christ. Is that once you receive him as Lord, then you must receive yourself in Him as the man or woman of God that God calls you to be. Because that's the person who's going to go on and lead a transformational life. Walk in victory. That's the person who's going to go from being Simon to being Peter. That's the one, hallelujah, that's 
going to go from being Jacob to being Israel, the prince with God. God has a new name and a new identity for each and every one of us. And today, the question isn't, are you able to have success? The question is, are you able to be the person that God has assigned that success to? Because God will make the success happen as you step out, but only as you step out as the person that God has said that you are. That's the person who has all the fruit of the Spirit. Has everything that the old you lacks, the new you has. Close your Bible, stand with me this morning. Our altar call today begins with being born again. That's a, this is exactly what the term born again means. It doesn't mean try harder. It doesn't mean I now believe in Jesus so I have, I have a better example. Being born again is a transformation that takes place in our life. It is an actual, mechanical, if I could use that term, transformation that occurs on a spiritual level. That's where it begins. And then the next step is it begins to have an effect upon your mind. And that's our message today. Will you allow the Lord to redirect your thinking Redirect your thought to believe that you are the child of God. Not just that you're following His example, but that He lives in you and has transformed your spirit. That you are a new creation in Him and that all things are possible if you will get out of that barrel. Let God talk to you and be that person that He's called you to be. How many of you this morning would say, you know what? I'm there. I could be that person that God's called me to be. I can't do it, but He can. He can do it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, your goodness reigns above the curse. We live in a toxic world filled with lies and deceptions. Very little good filters through. But today, you have lifted us up in Jesus Christ, far above the cloud of sin and deception. And as it says in the Word, you have seated us, with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. There, in that place of fellowship with you, we are a new creation. Our life is in you, Lord. And we are the people of God. We have been made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our failed righteousness, we roll it up and put it aside as a filthy rag. And we receive the righteousness that you declare over us. We accept not only forgiveness of our sins, but we receive sonship that we may be the man and woman who will climb out of the barrel and go forth and live the life you've called us to live. Father, I thank you for meeting each and every person this morning in that place. 
Now, as we pray, if you're here today and you've never gotten out of that barrel of sin, I don't want to beat this analogy to death, but it's a good place to make this invitation. You need to start by letting God introduce Himself to you. And if this morning you've never looked to God and said, Lord, I believe you came into this world as Jesus Christ. I believe that is the truth. I don't know a whole lot of other stuff, but I do believe that. And I want to put my life down on that truth and make that truth the foundation of my trust. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. If that's you this morning, we're going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray with us and to ask the Lord to come into your heart and to be the Savior of your life and receive that spiritual new birth. Let's pray. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is you come into this world. You loved us so much that you took the place of our sin on the cross. And with that price you paid, our penalty was removed. You've offered us life, beginning with the forgiveness of sin. And giving us a new position that we no longer have to be sinners, but we can be children of God. Though we still make mistakes, there's forgiveness. We don't lose our position. We are sons and daughters. Today, Father, I call you Father. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I declare right now, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, Savior of my soul. Now, Father, speak to me. Let me see. Open my eyes to the gospel. Let me learn who I am. Send the Holy Spirit to live in me. Be my teacher. Be my helper. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, as we continue to pray, the rest of you, you that are saved, you that are Christians, we're going to pray, and you're going to hear God and get out of that barrel. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare and decree Satan's assignment of tyranny and bondage through lies through deception, through manipulation, have come to an end. Father, today, we reach out and take hold of our identity in Christ. For you are speaking to us. Hail, children of valor. The Lord is with you. And so thank you, Father, for being with us today. Every lie of the devil, I bind it. Right now, truth arise in Jesus' name. Put your hand over your heart. We're going to close this prayer out. And I want you to pray this with me. You have the authority through the name of Jesus according to His blood. 
You have a new covenant. He's bruised the serpent under your heels. You're going to take and exercise that authority right now. Lord Jesus, I let go and put behind me every fear that the devil has spoken to me. I will not be terrorized by my own sins, by my own mistakes, no pattern that has operated in my life will be allowed to be the truth that I conduct my life by. It's all broken under the blood of Jesus. And I am released from that captivity. Father, I turn my ear to your word. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Let me train my ear and follow you. I am that child of valor, and the Lord is with me. Praise the Lord. Would you just look up, lift up your hands towards heaven? Hallelujah. May the Lord cause His countenance to shine upon you. May the brightness of His glory fill and overflow you. May out of your innermost being, the rivers of life flow. Others around you who are thirsty shall drink from the saucer of your life. As you go into this new week, may healing, grace, and peace be yours. In abundance, you shall share with others. In Jesus' name, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Now give the Lord some praise. God bless you. Praise the Lord.